Yes, ladies and gentlemen, thank you once again for joining us. This is the first episode of INC Radio. My name is Carl Bainbridge, and I am joined, as ever, by my colleague today, Mr. Tim Close. Tim, oh, thank you very much for joining us. No bother. No looking forward to it. And thank you very much for our new surroundings as well. We uh, have made the decision. We have decided to launch the INC podcast. We'll be discussing everything and anything when it comes to the world of mixed martial arts. And also stay tuned to our Uncaged segment where we'll be talking about people outside of the sport as well. Some of the best comedians, businessmen, some of those intellectual figures from the world outside of MMA. It's basically a British Joe Rogan just with slightly more hair and less TRT as well. So... Bad jokes out the way, you are here to listen to us talk about the world of mixed martial arts and we have got ourselves an absolutely fantastic pay-per-view to kick off 2020. Hard to believe it, Tim. We are now in the roaring 20s once again. Yes, I know. Unbelievable. Time flies. Absolutely so. And we are coming off as well, what in my opinion was a great year for MMA in 2019. Obviously, we had a real changing of the guard in some of our weight classes or opening itself to uh, new environments as well. Obviously, China now has its own champion. So does uh, Nigeria with Kamara Usman. And I think it really sets us up well for 2020. I think it's going to be a very interesting start of the year. And we've got a lot of big fights already announced. And arguably, the biggest of them happening in January. Yes. So, uh, there's some big big names returning. Some possible great matchups on the fight card. Like, uh, cards coming up. So... 2020 should be a good year, as if every year, really. Now, before we talk about the biggest of those fights, which is, of course, the UFC 246 main event, a certain Irishman is competing. I think he sells whiskey these days. Yes. He's, uh, what, I can't even remember what it's called, Summer 12 or something. Proper 12. Proper 12. He's back. He's back doing what he does best, I think, where it all began. And we'll be talking about that in a lot more detail later on. Now, before we get to that, though, we are going to touch on some of those big fights that could be happening in the first quarter of the year. Now, obviously, we've got John Jones fighting Dominic Rias. That's going to be happening at UFC 247, just two weeks' time as well. Uh, After that, though, we've got potentially a very interesting fight. Now, this hasn't been confirmed by the UFC, but all the rumours are saying the March main event may well be Israel Adesanya versus Joel Romero. Now, what do you make of that one, Tim? Obviously, we've seen Adesanya's rise. Yeah, um, Romero, I mean, coming off two losses, and then obviously could potentially be a bad fight. Um, but however, I do like him. And, 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 and this, the, that fight could have made sense this time last year more than maybe it does now. I definitely, I understand why the UFC are making this fight. I think that. Obviously, Adesanya's rise up the rankings has been incredible, and we saw the way that he picked part Robert Whittaker at UFC 243. But I'm with you. I think as good as Joel Romero is, and as scary as Joel Romero is, it's still two losses in a row. And I personally think that you should be rewarding fighters for winning streaks, regardless of how they do it. I regardless think of days have gone. Years ago, you would say it. How can he have a title shot? He's coming off a loss, just one loss. You know what I mean? It's all about it's a business now, and if that fight's the right fight, regardless of, of probably what's happened in the past, I'm saying it, you're saying it. But as as the last year or so has taught us, that doesn't always work like that. It's not a, there is no law or procedure anymore. I'm trying to think of the fighters who've got title shots off two fight losing streaks, and I'm trying to think. I think it's Frankie Edgar, Holly Holm. Potentially, you well yeah. Romero. Yeah. There's a lot of stories that Jose Aldo might be fighting, um, might be fighting Henry Cejudo. 
So there's another one there. Yeah. yeah. So it does fit into what you're saying that yes. I think it's the name which is taking priority over yeah. the streaks. And like I say, back to the business thing, like where and back what you say in the name, they they want the most exciting fights regardless of what the last outcome was of the of the fight. And to Romero's credit. Those two fights which he did last, they were very close yes. fights. He could have potentially won against um, Whitaker, yep. potentially won against Costa. I personally scored for Costa, but I'm in the minority there. Yeah, you're um, like I say, you, you you can't you can't call it a anything or anything like that. It's just obviously there'll be certainly other people out there who probably see different to me and you. And there'll be I think it'll be a mixed verdict. Certainly so. I mean personally I would have given Candania the title shot. Because, I mean, yeah, he's lower ranked. He's not really as big of a high-profile matchup as Romero. But he has looked very impressive in his winning streak. Beat a highly ranked player in Jack Hermanson. So It is all about the profile. Mm, exactly. And it's also another title fight which is taking place. It's not getting as much coverage, but I am intrigued by this one. Henry Cejudo, in December, was stripped of his flyweight title. Cejudo said he just had no intention of going back down to flyweight. So that belt is now up for grabs again. And it's Joe Benavidez, the perennial number two in that division. He'll be taking on Davison Figueredo. So the flyweight division, it's still surviving. It's yeah. pretty much on, on its ass. On its ass right now, but it's I'm glad you said that, Tim, not me. But we do have a title fight. Now, the main reason I want to bring this up though is it's it's really brought to my attention one of the big issues I've had with the UFC in recent years, which was in twenty eighteen they had this big thing about double champs. And they were doing so many champion versus champion matchups. And yeah, you got the image of the champion holding the two belts on the shoulders and it looked great. But the logistics of trying to defend both belts it just can't work. At the time, fighting for two titles is an absolute, it's the best thing since sliced bread. It's when you win the both the titles and then you've got to defend both the titles. That's when it starts going south. Because I've, I've heard this unofficial rule. I don't know if the UFC actually have this in writing or not, but... There's this unofficial rule, as it were, that the UFC like to have its champions defending its belts twice a year. Yes. So if you add another belt to that, you, you can four have... Titles, four titles, four defences a year. Four defences in a year, and you've got four different training camps. Sometimes you're going to have to bulk up to put on yeah. extra muscle, or you're going to have to slim down yeah. to get down to lower weight. Logistically, it can't be done. I think these double champions should only be done if it's totally necessary. And by that, I mean... You just, for instance, whatever weight class you are, if you've absolutely dominated that weight class and there's literally nobody there for you, and the weight above you or below you has also done the exact same, and they come the, and they come together, I think that's the only way you can justify it. When you're just doing it, especially when you know you've you had them where they were, there's a few out there that've, they've won it and then got and won the, the very next fight without even defending the title they've won. I think it is a bit wrong. I think there is a massive hype about it like I say but there's, there's other people out there who want the shot and I think a true champion defends the title I totally agree I think personally if you look at all the double champs the only person who should have been given that opportunity was DC yeah because DC had he had experience at heavyweight as well yeah. he cleaned out the light yeah. heavyweight division um, and I think he was unbeaten in heavyweight as well Yeah. so that makes sense but I mean as we've seen before we've had four double champs Three of them that have been stripped, and the only one that hasn't can't get stripped because there is no division. The women's featherweight division is four fighters. One of them hasn't even fought in the UFC yet. Mm. Yeah. I think the UFC are too proud to admit that it was a vanity belt for Cyborg. 
That being said, I have noticed that all the women's featherweights are on the undercard of the Benavidez Figueiredo fight. So I think we can assume that Norfolk has a thing for Amazons. Right. What we will be talking about though, we are going to be talking about UFC 246, which is why many people wanted to be listening to us in the first place. Now of course, Conor McGregor is back. And when it comes to a Conor McGregor card, you're going to expect million by pay-per-views. You're going to be expecting all the hype, all the hysteria that comes with the casual fan base. This feels like a bit of a strange one in terms of a Conor McGregor pay-per-view. Maybe it's the time he spent away from the sport. Maybe it's the fact he's coming off a loss. It doesn't feel to, be, feel to me like there's that same buzz around this card that there was, say, UFC 229. No, um... We've, we've, we've had our differences on this. I mean, my thing is, I don't think you need to fight Carter on Conor McGregor. I think Conor McGregor sells the card regardless. However, I think you hit the nail on it before when you were st- you stated there's a, there'll be a lot of new people watching the, the UFC. Why not show off and put a big, massive fight card together to, to keep them people entertained and keep them people watching, not just for the McGregor? But, like I said, I, do, I don't think January's the best time Fight. I think it's always later on in the year, middle of the year. You know, people like to spend the Christmas period and the New Year period with the family, friends, having a drink, eating what they want. Probably given the f- like a season, if you like, you know what I mean. Having that bit time off. Um, so you know, they, they maybe didn't have the options out there, but these are professionals and this is what they do for a living. So I suppose whatever time of the year, from January to December, they they should be be ready to fight, if you like. Um, but no. Um, I, I can say your I can say your opinion of, of of the fight card, but I think me for one will still I'll still be tuning in. Oh, I certainly will as well if I can get um, the extra money to uh, pay for the um, pay for BT's box office coverage. They have put this behind the paywall again. A lot of British fans don't like this one. You know why I stand with it. I just think that the British MMA fan base has always been very niche. So to punish those fans by making them pay more money. To watch the bigger fights, I just don't think's right. No, I know. I mean, some people don't. Some people don't even batter an eyelid. Some people kick up a big fuss. Um, even the people who don't batter an eyelid probably still don't think it's right, but they would just do it anyway, which is what they're hoping for. And like you say, it's just just business, isn't it? But it's maybe bad business in the long run. How many buys do you think this uh, pay per view will do? I mean, in in the US, because the Connor could be pay per view broke all the records. I think it was something like. 2.5, 2.6 million buys, which smashed its previous record. I don't think they'd be pro- if that's the case. If it was, if, I, if I'm going off the 2.6 million mark, there, what you're saying for that, I'm gonna go maybe two for this. Um, uh, yeah, I probably will. You know, but Connor's a strange one. Well, not a strange one. Connor's Connor's so clever because he's he's not. It's not he's not like a middle of the range fighter. You either absolutely love him to bits. Or you hate them, but these people who hate them, you know, you see on the, on the on social media writing, flipping hate them, hope he gets smashed. But they are tuning in because they want to see him get beat. So he, so he, either he's a win-win situation, Connor. You know, they either tune in to watch him win or they tune in to watch him lose. You know, does that work for this podcast as well? Considering the grief I sometimes get, <laughs> maybe, maybe, Carl. Yeah. We move on to the prelims now. If there is a real theme about this card, and especially with the prelims as well, there is a. There's a real sort of veterans versus prospects matchup coming up. And if you look at the prelims here, you can that basic that is very evident, especially when you look at our ESPN headliner where we see 
probably one of the most highly rated female fighters for a long time, Macy Barber. And she's going to be taking on Roxanne Modafferi. Now, it's a shame that Max isn't here for this one because when it comes to Roxanne Modafferi, it's safe to say Max isn't a fan. He isn't a fan. Um, she is very awkward to watch and I can understand people seeing her as like dorky and cumbersome, but I think this is a perfect fight for Macy Barber because if they rate her as highly as what they do, to take out a, a veteran like Roxy who's been a stable yeah. of the flyweight division yeah. for a long time. And also as well, what people forget about Roxy is, yes, she's cumbersome, yes, she's a bit awkward, but she's very hard to finish. She's only ever been stopped by strikes once, and that was when Sarah Kaufman pulled off the full-on rampage, big yeah. on powerbomb slander. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's a good matchup. It's, like I said, it will do well for me to, to get the win. Um, and like I said, it'll, bo it'll boost up to what the UFC won. And I think as well, the thing with Macy is, when I've seen her before a fight, I think she's sometimes a bit too reliant on her size. She just seems to brute people. So when you've got somebody who is quite savvy, who's going to try and lay some traps for her, how is she able to handle that? And Roxy's no slouch on the ground as well. If no. Roxy can get this fight to the ground, she can cause problems. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a, it's a good, you know, like a prospect versus veterans fight. I'm all up for that. Um, I think it's, it's quite a, uh, there's a downside and upside to that because sometimes the prospects can never, can never really win, if you like, because if, if sometimes they win and then they'll go, well, they wouldn't have beat them if it was however, back in the prime and all that. But uh, I do like the idea of it. Um, as one's sort of finishing off the career, one's just about to begin. And realistically, what better way to, to shoot a prospect, catapult a prospect's career, is by giving them a, a veteran who's well known. The one that always sticks in my mind when it comes to like veterans upsetting the apple cart was Glover Toshiba. Because past couple of fights, they've started using Glover with the hope that some some up-and-coming light heavyweight will beat him and then say, yeah. hey, I beat title contender Glover, watch out for this guy. And yet Glover keeps keeps beating all of them. So well, like Kreloff got beat and then Carl Robertson got beat. Yeah, he's still got it, hasn't he? Still got it, 40 years old. Um, this theme of veterans versus prospects, that also goes on for the rest of the card as well. I mean, Sadiq Youssef, very highly rated after his win over Gabriel Benitez. He's fighting Andre Feely. That, to me, could be the fight of the prelims because I think Feely can crack as well. Yeah. Feely is very underrated. And, of course, Yusuf has that knockout power. I also like Nazrat as well. Looks a bit like a mini Kelvin Gastelum and hits like him as well. And he's going to be fighting Drew Dorber. It's not a bad undercard. The full, do you know, the full fight card's not... I would never ever say terrible because UFC, every fighter on this fight card is worthy of being in the UFC. You know what I mean? They're all great. I know what you say sometimes about star power, but there's still there's still some very good fighters and there's some very good matchups in the full fight card, to be fair. I think it's it's people judging it against yes, previous Conor McGinnis exactly cards. Right. There's nothing wrong with this particular card, but people, you, but you're always going to get that. You can't keep the public happy. You, the one person you can keep happy, you can't keep someone else happy. So you know there'll always be in this game and every game, people criticising. And we're going to be starting on the main card. It's our first main card fight of 2020. It's still weird to say that to me. And we are going to the lightweight division where Anthony Pettis is taking on Diego Ferreira. Now, Pettis enters this fight ranked ninth in the world, but that's a welterweight. A lot of that stems from his victory over Stephen Thompson. The betting odds, it's quite interesting with this one because Pettis, yes, former lightweight champion, he has some quite high-profile wins even later on in his career. 
but it's Diego Ferreira who enters this fight as a minus 250 favourite. You can get Pettis at plus 195. Where do we stand on Pettis moving back down to lightweight? Obviously, he did find some success when he fought a weight, Big knockout against Wonderboy. Then, I think he was caught a little bit against uh, Nate Diaz. And I think maybe that's made him realise, hey, I was doing my best work at lightweight. I need to go back. Um, I, I don't know whether I, I stand correctly with you there because... I think sometimes I'm not calling them old at 32. You know, I'm not. I'm not really getting. I'm getting that way on me myself. Um, but I, I think as you know, as people get older, they, t- they tend to think less about cutting the weight as as when they do when the youth. You know, um, I think I think you find it easier to do. I think sometimes, you know, he's a he's a well veteran now of over 30 professional fights. He is who he is. He's already got his name. Does he? I mean, does he need? Does he need to go down? all the time to lightweight I can see where you're coming from and I think an easier cut later on in your career I do agree there is a better thing it always worries me when you see people moving down later on in their career yes because I know Edson Barboza who who is a massive lightweight he's going down to featherweight yeah I think I think I think higher up I know I'm, I may be talking nonsense but I think the higher the weight you are the older you get I think you can come down to weight because you lose sometimes your body mass mm. but I think in the lighter weights I think they tend to go up, if that if that makes if that makes sense to the, do you know what I mean? From going to well the weight to light or the light to feather, I think I I think they generally go up. You know what I mean? Like I mean I'm I'm not in their league or anything like that, but I know from myself from always fighting it, from being a kid I fought at sixty six in my twenties I fought in at the at the welterweight at the seventy kilo kilogram sorry, and now I'm fighting a welterweight. The older I've got, I've seemed to put the more weight on. You know. Um, and I, I don't know I suppose it, it does what suits I suppose these are full time fighters so with all the best nutritionists and people behind them I think they'll probably find the way cut maybe a bit easier and uh, not an issue what would also favour as well Anthony Pettis in terms of moving moving up to welterweight or staying a lightweight is that back in his prime Pettis was so creative in terms of his striking he was spinning kicks he was doing like the showtime stuff obviously he uh, nearly knocked out Benson Henderson by running up the side of the cage but as he's got older he started to develop more of a brawling style yeah. he started to enjoy that sort of short short range exchanges and we've seen that when he fought Tony Ferguson which was the undercard of uh, Conor versus Khabib what a brawl that was yeah. and Tony Ferguson is, Ferguson is still one of the best guys at lightweight, yeah. So it just shows that on his day he can still hang with some of the best. Definitely, definitely. I mean, I don't think uh, like the, the 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 spinning kicks and everything. I don't think that's got anything to do with age or weight. I think it's just a change of style, maybe in, like um, coaching. Maybe then, you know, like this isn't me anymore. You get this is working better. I don't think that has anything to do with the age or weight. He's just changed his his style a little bit. Four wins in his past eleven, though. That's going to. That's going to take its toll, dare I say, psychologically, if you could put it that way. Yes. I mean, when you do suffer some sort of setbacks, especially in fights where you do look good. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, it's got to play a part on your in your in your in psychologically in your mind. Definitely, um, can it not? Especially, obviously, if you you know, especially how that hasn't been his run record. I mean, at one point he was like what seventeen and two or whatever it was. Um, so. So yeah, you you can sort of see where you maybe think, well, where am I going wrong? Um, but I don't know. Um, I, I don't, that that's every everyone to their own. I suppose everyone's individually different for psychologically whether that would be playing on the mind with his recent record. 
with his recent um, results. The thing that people always say when it comes to Pedestor is these stories about whether or not Pedis is shot, those have been going around for years. But every time people start to doubt him and write him off, he pulls this big win out of the bag yeah. and makes people sit up again. Yes. They were saying the same thing before he fought Michael Chiesa and then he submits one of the best grapplers in the sport. He does the same thing before the Wonderboy fight. He's the only person to knock out Wonderboy. Yeah. Um, I like Pettis. I really do. And, and and I'll be honest with you, I'm not going to write him off. Um, I, I, Like I say, four wins, in, like I say, sometimes people say records are for DJs. You know? And four wins, four, four in his last 11. So what's that? Like four and seven. Um, I don't, I wouldn't say that he's, he might have been out of form a little bit. Um, not got things correctly but I, I would not say Pettis is finished by a long shot one guy who is on the up though is his opponent which is Diego Forever 16-2 and two record now he's won 5 fights in a row since he came back from his suspension Yeah. and the great thing when you look at that 16-2 and two record as well is yeah he's fought some middle of the road fighters people like Jared Gordon Mayabek Tysimov which is arguably his best win so far but if you look at the guy he's, guys he's lost to, Dustin Poirier and Benil Dayush, there is no shame in no. losing to them two. No, no. Like Dustin, for me, is like one of the best guys to lightweight right now. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm very intrigued to see who Dustin fights next. I'm hearing rumours him versus Gage he could be on the cards, a rematch between them two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In terms of Ferreira, we have got a jiu-jitsu black belt, very sneaky ground game as well. So yes. when you look at Pettis, who in my opinion, is also a very underrated grappler. As much as we like to see Pettis with the spinning kicks and the striking, if this fight goes to the ground, I think it could get very, very intriguing. Yes, bit of a game of chess. Yeah. And it's not as if Ferreira has come from nowhere either. He was on the Ultimate Fighter Brazil. He was also seen as a, a potential champion before he had that USADA ban. Can he still get that aura back? He is... I mean, this is, he's going the right way about it. If he's going to get that aura back, I mean, a, a, a win over Pettis would certainly put him back in in the in the light in the um, in the limelight. I, I think, to be honest, this fight makes total sense. I think both fighters need this win. I'm not saying a loss for either fight is is the end of it because it's certainly not. But I think either fight, both these fighters really need this win um, for 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 certain reasons. Pettis probably to rare to to put people straight. And Ferreira really, uh, like I say, get that aura back saying, look, I am going to be the next champ. I think, as well, I'm glad that the UFC are doing this matchups like lower-ranked fighters versus unranked, because one of the issues I've had, I think welterweight's a big culprit of this, is you have guys who are maybe on the decline, who are too scared to give up their seeding or yes. put it on the line. Yes. And you got guys on the outside. And you can never get in. Exactly. Can't get in that top ten bracket. I mean, some, I mean, someone like like Nico Price, Jeff Neal, guys like that, very highly rated welterweights, but they're not getting the opportunities. No, because everybody wants to. Which you can understand, Carl. Everyone wants to climb the ladder. So if you're ranked twelfth, for example, surely you want to fight ranked eighth rather than rank fight someone unranked because you you really do. I mean, unless you want to. I don't know, like a two fight, three fight losing skin, you go, right, look, I need, I need to get myself a win before I try and climb the ladder or whatever. But realistically, you aim for the stars, you know, and you, you're always going to want that. So when these lads out the rankings do get that opportunity to get in the top 10, they need to grasp it with both hands. 
The one thing I have when it comes to Ferreira, and it, it touches on that as well, this sort of unranked fighter versus veteran who is like on the decline in inverted commas. We said the same thing about Wonderboy versus Vincent Luque, and Wonderboy put on an absolute clinic in that fight. Yeah. Is this going to be another situation? Um. Um. Possibly. What's your prediction? My prediction, I'm going to favour Ferreira. I think I, I think Pettis is going to be too tough to finish, but I can see Ferreira controlling the ground game. Pettis is going to try and throw some submissions off his back, but I don't see, I don't see him being able to do so. I think Ferreira is going to take quite a comfortable decision. Well, Ferreira is obviously the favourite, um, and you're backing him, also. But there's a little thing in me here, and I don't. I hate when I say I sit on the fence a bit. But also Pettis, we've touched on this earlier, every time people write him off, mm-hmm. he does that. So just to go against you and the rest of the odds, I'll go Pettis for that. And there you go, our first disagreement of the year. The first of many to come, Tim. Yes, that's exactly right. So, Anthony Pettis versus Diego Ferreira will be opening the card. Good card opener as well. I like Very. the reason they've chosen that fight to open the main show. Because I think you need something which I is fast-paced. I, I think it'll be a great fight. This, I think, could be a very interesting fight as well because we're going down to the strawweight division. Claudia Gadelia is taking on Alexa Grasso, so we've got number 6 seed taking on number 11. And the betting odds for this one, absolutely dead even. You could have Gadelia as a slight favourite, minus 120. Grasso is coming in at minus 110. Now, before we talk about this fight, though, I'm going to sort of make one of my first sort of bold statements of the year. There's going to be plenty of those on this show, so a word of warning for you. Women's strawweight for me is arguably one of the most underrated divisions in the UFC. Yeah. Like you look at that top fifteen and especially that top five, where you've got Zhang Weili, Joanna, Rose, Andrade, Tatiana Suarez. That is a hell of a top five. Yeah. And you've got girls like this who are just on the outskirts of that, putting on some good quality matches. De- definitely, definitely. Do you know the the swings and roundabouts every um every weight category, you know, sometimes we say things are on the ass, sometimes on the up. It's not that any fighters are poor, because there is no poor fighters in the UFC. It's just there's not enough in the in the bracket that excites them. But like you say, this is an exciting this is an exciting division to be in right now. And it's an amazing transformation as well, because the impression I got when Strawweight first started around sort of twenty fourteen, it was the other women's division. You had the Ronda division, women's bantamweight, and it's all like, oh, there's a strawweight division as well. There's another women's division. Yeah. And now strawweight has passed bantamweight and is seen as sort of like the benchmark of the women's side yeah. of the sport. Yeah. Um, in terms of these two, though, we've got a girl in Claudia Gadelia, former title challenger, and for a long time seen as the number two in that division. Joanna was the number one, but Claudia was sort of like a step behind, almost a one ear as it were. And then. Maybe it's age which has taken its toll. Maybe it's a fighting style getting a bit more predictable. The shine seems to have fallen off Claudia. And even though she is still winning, she's won two out of the past three fights, the performances in those fights have been quite concerning. Because there was a time Claudia was one of the most exciting, strongest fighters in the division. And it's it's a shame to see her not performing to that level, at least recently. Do you think people get comfortable? Um, and you know, I mean, you see some you see some very great fighters over the years, and the, and what happens is once they start winning, they don't want to lose or anything, and they sort of without really knowing it, the fight game gets a bit more boring. They get the name for being exciting, and then they just do anything to win, which I suppose that's the name of the game, 
and they forget and and they become less entertaining as we like. Well, I'd argue that was what uh, GSP did do in his yeah. title vein. Yeah. I mean, GSP's won to the title. He was yeah. submitting, yeah. knocking out everybody. Yeah. I mean, but now he's now now he's sort of retired. Where I know he made a comeback and got again. Them wins now, you class them. You look, but and, 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 my, and my and my children and and people of the old generation look back and go, look at look away, beat, look away, beat, rather than actually see the performances of what he sometimes he's did, and that's exactly right. He, he was fantastic, and then it just got about look at safety and win, just grind the result out, get the win, and I suppose that is the name. No matter how you do it, that's that's exactly what you do go for. But people, you lose. People still want that the diehards where the win, lose or draw leave everything in the cage don't they that being said I still think Johnny Hendricks won that fight yeah <laughs> well we're going to go right off the scale here we are do um, if there was a turning point for Claudia here's what I think happened with Claudia was that sometimes a fighter will have a match which takes so much out of them that they're never the same afterwards definitely and I think that's what happened to Claudia when she fought Jessica Van Drage. right because Claudia looked really good in that fight and she was fighting somebody who was pretty much pretty much her, her mirror I mean Andrade is just a little bit stronger than what Claudia was and she took a beating in yeah, that fight I, I totally I totally agree with what you've just said there um, not so much about Claudia but just people in general um, there's only you sort of you, you hit a peak as well and once you've obviously been like really stripped and took out of you in a big fight it, you don't realise as much until the next time someone's done it and you don't survive like you did the first time of a big down because since then she had the fight with Carla Vespaza which I think a lot of people thought that Carla won uh, the Nina Anzaroff fight a lot of people thought that was just going to be an easy walk over for, um, for Claudia credit to Nina she got the job done but I think that was a fight that Claudia lost rather than Nina won and then put in arguably one of the worst fights of the year when she fought Vander Marcos. Yeah. i tell you what I find as it happens as well. If a, if a fighter gets... And I know I always talk in general rather than just the one person, but when sometimes people get beat, they get beat and they think, right, we need to change our our coaching and our, our strategy up, right? They change the strategy because they've come off a loss because you don't generally change a winning formula. And they come back worse. Instead of just keeping to the regime of what they do... They change the training, they change how they go about things, and it doesn't always work. It, sometimes they actually, you see fighters in the back over, and you think, I've never seen them so bad. And that's, in my opinion, what happened when she fought Randa Marcos, because I think they identified that Claudia's cardio was an issue with her, yeah. and thought, hey, you're not going to go all guns out blazing, you're not going to try and brawl, you're just going to fight a little bit more conservatively. Yeah. And instead, she did nothing. Yeah. Anyway, it was Marcos just being a little bit less hesitant than one Claudia that fight. Yeah. So it was a bad fight. Yeah. Um, on the positive sides of Claudia, though, we have got a very strong grappler. So her top control yeah. is up there with some of the best. She's good in striking as well. She dropped Ioana in their second title fight. Came close to beating Ioana first time around as well. So she can hold her own against the best. 100%. 100%. I'm very intrigued about Alexa Grasso, though. Yes, she's coming off a loss to Carla Esparza. She came into the UFC with a lot of hype. She was unbeaten in Invicta. She's had three losses since then. When she does win, though, she is a very entertaining striker. I think a lot of Mexican fighters, in my opinion, especially when it comes to the striking side of things, great technical boxers. And we're seeing that with Alexa Grasso. Yeah. Uh, Irene Aldana's coming onto the scene as well. She's got a lot of hype behind her right now. 
so Mexico, when it comes to striking, is a real hotbed right now. Yeah, yeah. We all like to see the striking. <laughs> of course we do. Um, in terms of Grasso, obviously the striking is going to be a big fort here. Um, the Mizuki fight, especially, was pretty much her... What's the what's the Latin for it? I'm not going to go onto it on live on on the radio, but modus aprendi. That's it. Something like that. I'm a bit like Del Boy when it comes up with all these Latin phrases <laughs> and just have no idea what they mean. Bonjour. But, <laughs> oh, the French man he likes his French phrases. <laughs> it's been ages since I watched Fools and Horses. Um, but the Mizuki fight for me is up there as one of the best. And if you need a good example of a great Invicta fight, I would recommend watching that one. Um, when the fight is kept standing as well. Alexa can dominate anybody. Yeah. And we saw that against Carolina. She put on an absolute clinic against the former title challenger. Now, you might say that Carolina is a bit short, a bit predictable these days, but it was still a fantastic performance against a veteran. And then even when she fought Carla in that third round, she was piecing Carla apart. Nearly got the finish on her. And of course, there was all that controversy because Carla was given the majority decision win. Got pelted by the crowd in Mexico as well, which was a bit alarming. If this fight's kept standing, Grasso has all the chance in the world, especially yeah. against someone like Claudia, who has a notoriously bad gas tank. Yeah. yeah. Are we making predictions? I think... Or do I, we go first? I'm going to let you go first, since you let me go first next time. Alexa Grasso, the more we, the more you think about it, the more you think, you know, you've got, you've got the gas tank, you've got her, her uh, striking ability... I definitely wouldn't write Claudia out, but obviously if we were if we were betting people, I'd go Alexa round three TKO. Now that's a big call. It's that's a big, big call, call to say we know how tough she is. We know how tough she is. But if the cardio starts going after the first round, she bombards her in the second, I think she'll hold her own I think it'll still go in. Think going into the third round might be the latter rounds, the last maybe three, four like into three, four minutes, the last minute or two of the last round. I think Alexa could get the TKO. My concern when it comes to Alexa has always been not so much off her back, but takedown defence. Yes. And if you look at all of her losses so far in the UFC, they've all come because she's been taken down far too easy. Could you say Claudia winning the first round? Claudia will definitely take, win take the, first the first round. round. But I think that I think wrestling plays it takes a lot out of you in terms well, of cardio. Definitely, and if her cardio's not the scratch. The, and and also like I say, if Alexa is getting back up or or she or she's nowhere near finished after the first round, not only will it dishearten her, but like I say, if cardio starts going, that's when she might start getting picked apart. Not so much in the second round, but more in the th I think in the third. If Claudia's going to win this fight, in my opinion, it's going to depend on two things. One, she needs to get a finish in the first round, and considering she's only had one submission win on her record, that's a bit alarming. But also, it's going to depend on that second round. If Claudia's cardio starts hurting her early in that second round, and Grassel starts taking over, I could see Alexa winning this two rounds to one. Right. I don't think Alexa's going to get the finish. Think a decision. I'm going to say Alexa by decision. Yeah. And that's a big call. Two very close fights. Two very, very close fights. I, to start I, 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 do you know? I know people are comparing the the undercards for um from Connor's last out in the UFC but you know it, the more we get into things and you know it's, it's good to do this because you really do get into it because you look at it and the, when you think there's no there's not as much star power you sort of write it up but when you really do get into it uh, this isn't a bad fight card I think you seldom get a bad fight card especially on pay-per-view you're um, sorry you seldom get a bad fight yes. card on pay-per-view yes um, 
It's just whether or not people go based off star power or based off the quality of the matchups itself. Definitely. That being said, mind you, the UFC can put on some absolute duds. Did you watch that Sao Paulo card? I the, didn't. The Jacare Blakovic fight. No. God, that was bad. I mean, they had Paul Craig and Shogun. Like a 400-year-old Shogun yes. in the core main. I know. Well, is the, re- is the rematch coming on there? I think Paul Craig's been scheduled against uh, somebody else for the London card. I like Paul Craig. I actually, when I fought main event in the stadium lately, he was on the undercard, Paul Craig. So that's a bit of history. Now we, so <laughs> now we, there he is, um, rocking there in Brazil. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I, I, do you want to know something? I mean, um, I know the, t- the team up there in Scotland as well. I know I'm going off the radar a little bit here, just to pull it back here. I was over the moon there, I got that shot though. Yes. Um, because going off star power, no matter how old you call Shogun or anything like that, he will always be a, le- a legend in a name. And I think sometimes no matter how big of a wins you get over different people you sort of need that win to get recognised in certain yes. parts of the world now Paul Craig will now be recognised for whatever reason and they'll start following him do you not know, do you understand what I'm saying there that fight there will have gotten recognition so now people can really watch him in his other fights and hopefully evolve and uh, go on to do even further and bigger names in the USA. Well, I know Buzz Berry, and Buzz yes. still talks about when he beat Shamrock. Yes. And I mean, Shamrock is in his late 40s, yes. well past it, yes. but he still talks about, hey, yes. I'll be Ken Shamrock, mate. I know. Well, I mean, my dad was in his corner that day. Um, and, you know, until you fought, I mean, Buzz has actually fought two UFC, veteran, um, UFC Hall of Famers, Ken Shamrock and Dan Severin. And you know what? Until you've actually fought a UFC Hall of Famer and beat them, and he was actually classed as the only man to knock him out because Ken Shamrock had TKOs on his record, but Buzz was the only person who had the knockout on his record in all them fights. No matter how old or how whatever, you've got you've got this. Like I say, unless you win that thing, I think you would talk about a truly. You know, whether it was 10, 12 years later, did I mention that I knocked Ken Shamrock out? I mean, and you would. I mean, he doesn't go on like that. You know what I mean? I mean, he. he when he's guest of honour at a lot of shows in the North East it, it, you know they get up on the mic and they say who he is and oh, and that's how they introduce him as that and you know it's a good introduce, introduction it is it's going to be a good introduction as well to the world of pay-per-view for Maurice Green because we are going into fight number three in the heavyweight division and Green is going to be taking on a true veteran of the sport Alexia Linick Pretty even matchup when it comes to the bet nods as well. Green is a slight favourite, minus 135. You can get Olenek at plus 105. Now, when it comes to lower-ranked heavyweight fights, it's nearly always a lottery in yes. the way it comes out. And this could very well be another one of them. Yeah. Because we have got pretty much a striking specialist in Green. He was a former of, um, glory, fourth glory kickboxing. And Alexi Olenek, who is probably one of the best grapplers in heavyweight MMA. It's pretty much him or Vadoom. Yes, yes. Maybe Frank Mee is in there as well, but yeah. Alinic, Vadoom, Mee, it's one of those three. Yeah. And I just banged my knee off the desk there. <laughs> because he's getting a bit excited there. <laughs> Everyone loves Alexi Alinic. Yes. So, yes, um, no, it's a truly good fight. I am I'm, I'm, I am very old school, I think, and I love heavyweight fights. You know, I think the lower down you get more, you get maybe the more so I know I'd be wrong in saying there's more skill because that's lying but uh, I'd, I like a heavyweight brawl I like a heavyweight matchup and exactly what you've just said anything can happen and we all love something that anything can happen don't we with Linux, we have also got one of the most ridiculous records in modern MMA he has had I'm just 
working out to work this out in my head. Seventy one. Seventy one <laughs> pro fights. Your maths is better than yes. me, Tim. Seventy one pro fights, fifty seven wins, thirteen losses, one draw. It's it's phenomenal. I mean, I'm from a boxing background, and I, and I, and you know that's nothing compared to some boxers um, in the in the in the boxing thing, but. The people who've got that type of record in MMA aren't in the UFC. I mean, I don't know if you ever knew him, Travis Fulton. It's like 200 wins, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, something like that. But he also had 200 boxing fights as well. I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean, but in the UFC, like I say, in modern times, exactly what Carl said there, it's a crazy record. It's a great record, though, you know. I mean, people might think 13 losses, but, you know, I think Randy had something like 13 losses with only 16, 17 wins, you know what I mean? This this guy, Alexis, you know, he's got 57 wins. I mean, it's fun, fantastic. Fun, I know, I mean, I Randy had like, don't get us wrong, 12 or 13 or 14 of his fights or something were all for titles, you know, against the best. But still, he's got a great record and he's, he's keep on going. And did you say he was 41 now? At 41 years old. Yeah. Um, he's doing something right, isn't he? And also as well, if you look at the people he's been fighting recently... He's only, I think he made it into the UFC when he was about 38, 39 years old. And he's been fighting. His best wins have come later on in his career. Yeah. He's beaten guys like Mark Hunt, yeah. Travis Brown. Yeah. Yep. And he fought Alistair Overeem on the, I think it was the Moscow main uh, card. He rocked Overeem in that fight. I mean, I'm saying here, and I think everyone would probably agree with us. I know everyone doesn't agree with everyone, but it's a shame UFC didn't have him or he wasn't in the UFC maybe even 10 years ago. I, I think he made his debut back in the the late 90s you know if I'm not mistaken then maybe he had a bit time off I remember seeing him when he fought in uh, Yama Pit fighting if you remember that yeah, I do Pat Smith fought did he fight Budabane yes I do I remember them they went they went the wall then for whatever reason I don't know but yes the, the, yes I do remember I do remember that I, I watched the first ever show or did they only have the one show they only had the one well, show did they only have the one show aye whatever happened there because they got so much publicity of one show I don't know what happened maybe spent too much and didn't make the comeback I'm guessing but um, yeah I think um, yeah sorry God, we, we, yes. we keep going off don't we uh, Alexei fantastic once again fantastic match up um, some people might look at it you know 57-13 and 1 versus 8 and 3 but potentially it's, it's a lot closer than what that suggests it is if it's in the striking because one of the things I have found about Alexei Linick is he is a fantastic grappler. We've already highlighted that. that. Yes. But he's a lot more confident when it comes to striking than he once was. Yes. There was once upon a time it was just, I need to get the takedown straight away. Experience. Now he's a lot more... I wouldn't say he's, he's confident to use his hands a lot more, but it, it's not as much of a burden as it say, yeah. once was, say, five he, or six years ago. Yeah, he's probably yeah, he's probably realised that he's better than probably what he initially thought. Is that confidence going to still be there, though, considering he got knocked out by Overeem? Uh, big knee. I mean, Overeem was working that body big time in that fight. And then we had Walt Harris, who cleaned him out in about 10, 13 seconds. We touched on this earlier. In, in Every single person in the world is different to that. You know, I know people from the domestic circuit to the top of UFC who they can come off a knockout and they will be they will have no fear of going back out there and going toe-to-toe in the middle of a cage. And then you get the people where you think they're shy. Yes, they got knocked out the last fight. So ever this is this will be interesting, especially with them fighting Green, who's more of a striker. He maybe would have preferred a more of a, a of a grappling type of fighter. But everyone's mixed martial arts now. Um, I don't think it's a bad fight. I don't think he'll come rushing out bulldozing for a takedown. 
but I don't think he'll come rushing out to the centre of the cage for a strike. I think he'll be cautious, tight, um, and just probably see how it goes. And if it does go to the ground as well, we've got to look out for the Ezekiel choke. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I just want to highlight just how tough this is to actually do. <laughs> Ezekiel chokes are quite normal when it comes to jiu-jitsu, obviously, but you've got the gi to help you to get some tension. To do that bare-armed takes so much strength. Yeah. So it's so impressive to see, and that's why people make such a big deal about it when it actually happens. Going to Murray's screen, though, he's sort of been overlooked with us gushing about uh, Alinek yes. here. Eight and three record, he did fight with glory kickboxing, but he's also been quite a capable grappler on the regional scene. Uh, four of his six stoppages have come by submission. And if we look at him on his early UFC fights, he's fought people like Junior Albini, Jeff Hughes as well, maybe not the most physically imposing fighters. And then when he fought... Sergei Pavlovich, who is like a proper chiseled, like, like almost Drago-like in terms of his strength and his muscle. Then he got found out. And I think because Pavlovich was able to ride those sort of early brawls that Green was trying to get himself into. Got that shot, he was rocked, and he finished him in the first round. So it was quite a comfortable win from Pavlovich. He was a guy I rate quite highly in that division. There's two sides of Green for me. When it is a very technical fight, and he's allowed to use his reach and stay in the distance, he can look very good. But when it turns into a brawl, the hands go down, he doesn't check the kicks, and he gets caught. I don't think he'll get a brawl this fight. No. I think he may. It, this may be where Green maybe can use his technical, but I don't think... I think he'll probably win the first round, and then I think I think that that's when Alexa will probably try to take it to the floor. But like you say, Green's pretty comfortable on the floor. But maybe not as good as what Alexa will give him. And what you've always got to be wary about as well when you fight a top-level grappler is, and I've seen this plenty of times with fighters, is they become so wary about the takedown and the shot, they leave themselves open. Definitely. And Olenek, as we've seen in the past, he has a big overhand. He can crack people. Yes, 100%. I'd, I'd, like I say, I don't think he's going to call brawling by no. any means whatsoever, but I'd, I don't think he'll rush in for the takedown in the first round. I think I, just because it could be too predictable, it'd be it, Green will be fresh, um, and he'll probably be, maybe even be able to de- defend it and shrug it off. So I think I think I think this the first round might not go to the floor at all, unless it's li- li- like maybe a shot in the last or a, or if they clinch up, you know, and try and get try and get the takedown in the later of the round just to win the round, if you like. I can see a Linux maybe trying maybe trying for a takedown later on. Yes. So I agree with yeah. you there. Um, it just depends on whether or not for me the Green can use his reach. I mean he's six foot seven. Yeah. He's a massive lad yeah. for this division. Um, if you can use that, I could be even possibly see Maurice Green getting the job done in the first round. If it does go into the second round, we're gonna see a Linux shooting a lot more. Yeah. And if it does go to the ground, it's one way traffic. Yeah. Yeah. I'm leaning towards the latter. I think a Linux going to get it done second round, second round sub. Well, we what do you call it for the first time in the year? We agreeing. We are. We agreeing. So a Linux, we're both saying Alexi Linux is going to win this one in the second round. Yeah. Um, and it will be interesting to see what sort of person they match him up against if he was to win this one because. I get the feeling the UFC are wanting Maurice Green to win this fight and get that place yeah. in the rankings. I mean, we don't know how they do operate, but we always think stuff like that, don't we? You know, like who they because it is a business. Let's be honest with you. And um, 
and they must look and think well really we want this because of the potential and I think yeah Maurice will probably be the one they want to win um, but you know Alex is still exciting he's 41 I don't think he's looking to retire um, so he could still potentially cause some upsets further down the line it's going to be very fascinating stuff and again heavyweight fights are always the best <laughs> best I was going to say lottery because yeah. sometimes you can get some absolutely entertaining heavyweight fights and other times you get like these sloppy brawls yes and even like you say the sloppy brawls the entertaining because we you, you wouldn't want to watch every fight like that 100% but if you've got a no, fight card of 16 fights for example you at least want one brawl don't you yeah I'm noticing the UFC have started doing that a lot more because it always used to be they would put like an unranked strawweight fight before the serious stuff on the pay-per-views. Now they started putting the unranked heavyweights. Yeah. Because I think it's Justin Toffer and Juan Adams are going to be fighting on the 247 main yeah. card. And a lot of people are just like, who the hell? <laughs> <laughs> so that's something that we will be talking about when we do the 247 show. Fingers crossed that Max is on board for that one co-main time and we're going down to the women's bantamweight division and we've got a rematch from a fight at UFC 184 it's Holly Holm who was taking on Raquel Pennington betting odds for this one you can get Holly at his minus 145 favourite Rocky's coming in at plus 115 and I always feel I always feel worried about this when I'm talking about Holly Holm because I sort of feel like I have to walk on eggshells because she has one of the most dedicated fan bases in this sport yeah. and if you say anything that might be skewed as negative they can come in for you so I'm a little bit nervous right now you're shaking Carl because <laughs> the thing with Holly Holm is if you look at her record recently we're talking 5 wins and 5 losses in the UFC and it's it's say 4 years since she really did anything of note and I think when if you've had that sort of record you maybe should be I would say fighting a bit further down the card. Now, this is still a big fight. It's number three versus number five. Yes. But to be the core main of one of the biggest pay-per-views of the year, when you've won two out your past seven fights, I I don't agree with that well, personally. Well, it's definitely main card worthy. Yes. Definitely. Um, do you know what? I'm beginning to think sometimes, and nothing to do with this fight at all, mind. Apart from main event, does co-main event mean that much anymore? And I'm not talking about this fight either. I'm just saying, like, your main event, when you're main event, you're the big show. You're the one yes. that everybody wants to see. The, the best to the last type of crack. Is that the case with co-main event anymore? I think it is. Maybe not so much for the for the non-title fights, but... Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean. Sometimes you know, like you'll see their pictures on the post there, and you'll see. I mean, it's all, I mean, no matter what, like I say, no matter from whether you go from amateur boxing or to amateur MMA or to the best of MMA, I suppose it always starts. You know, your debuts or your or your le less ranked or your whatever at the bottom, and you do work your way up, and you're generally best to last, I suppose. Because I I still think about when Adesanya fought um, Anderson Silva. I mean, that was a core main event, which was getting just as much hype. As the title fight between Whitaker and Gastelum. Yeah. And that was, that there were no titles on the line. It was just, no. he is this highly rated prospect and he's fighting a legend. Yeah. And I think if you do have that sort of poor run of form that Holly has been on, if you are an Anderson Silva, you can get away with that. Of course you can. Is Holly Holm that sort of well, big, you, I mean, prestigious you, you, figure? You started this, this off by saying, obviously, Holly Holm's still got a massive fan base. I mean, does that play a huge part? I think it does. Yeah. I think it does and I think it's a UFC obviously trying to cash in on that yeah, one yeah. 
It's just when you've had so many chances like Holly yeah. Warmer's had. I'll be honest, I don't begrudge this fight being called main event. I'll be that's my, my just yeah. in my opinion. Uh, now you've you've touched on it, maybe you look and you think, Oh well maybe this but before you even said that, I looked at that and there was there was nothing where I would have turned around and went, That should be fighting there, that should be no. there. I, I mean I understand I where mean, the UFC is coming from. I mean if you if you were to pay for this and you're watching it and you've got your five fights You've got Conor McGregor fighting last, which everyone's wanting to watch, right? The the the, the four before that, I don't. I personally, personally, don't care what order them fights are in. But I know what you said. Co-main event yeah. is supposedly best, basically the second best fight on the card. Yeah. But um, I'm I I don't see no too wrong in it. Um, and I think as well, you've also got the big incentive, which is this is a rematch. Yes. So there's going to be a lot of intrigue and around. What's was it a split decision last time? Split decision. Split, you know, I mean, it's it's not as if Holly defeated her in the in the first round. You know what I mean? It's it, it, uh, it's going to be a close fight. Now I watched that fight when I was at the gym early this morning, um, and the thing that really stood out for me was the size difference. Holly looked absolutely massive in that yeah. fight. Now she is a tall girl; she's got a big reach on her as well. But it, I was quite taken aback by seeing how small Raquel Pennington was. Now, I don't know if that's because Holly cuts a lot of weight or Raquel doesn't cut as much as what most people do. But it took me by surprise just the, the height and the size difference. And considering... It was also interesting to watch as well because you had basically two fights. The first half, you had Holly staying on the outside, using her striking and keeping Raquel at distance. I mean, time and again, Raquel would try and go for the shot, but Holly showed some great takedown defense to hold her off. But once Rocky started realizing what Holly was doing, started reading her calls, reading her cues, the second half of that fight, Raquel took over. She yeah. dropped Holly. I mean, yeah. Holly jumped straight back up. And it started turning into a little bit of a brawl, and Raquel was landing some good shots. That, like, Raquel, yeah. for me, is best when it comes to the dirty boxing. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm intrigued with it on that perspective. Um, and also both of them obviously they've gone and done their own things We've, we all know Holly's to and fro through her career Raquel has also got a lot better yeah. I mean Raquel at that point was pretty much are you worthy of being in the UFC if so you need to be Raquel Pennington now Raquel Pennington is in the top 5 and is largely seen as one of the toughest women in this division yeah yeah. I mean the, this rematch makes total sense some uh, there's, a, there's rematches out there and you go why we don't know this is definitely one worthy of for 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 both of them. I mean, I would say obviously it's more looking for uh, Pennington without without and that goes out further because obviously she wants the uh, revenge um, win. But um, I don't know. Do you, I don't know. Do you see the thing for Holly to, to, for this fight? I would say so. I no, think... I, no. The, do you see why Holly Holly would accept this fight? I do. Yes, I would personally have booked her against somebody else. I think there were more intriguing fights over than Mikel Pennington because I think her versus Irina Aldana yeah, would have yeah. made a lot of sense and that way you could put Rocky against Ketlin Vieira yeah. so I think stylistically those would be better matches for the two of them um, when it comes to Holly we know what Holly brings to the table as well yeah. fantastic striking yeah, yeah. great takedown defence very strong in the clinch and I think that's a lot of pe- that's something that a lot of people have really started to recognise is just how strong she is at holding people off and yep. avoiding those takedowns. If the takedown does happen, though, Holly off her back. And we saw that against Misha Tate. She struggled big time yep. when she got taken down. Yep. And she's finding the girl in Raquel Pennington who 
I wouldn't say she's sort of the best wrestler in the world, but she does have a good choke on her. Yeah. We saw that with Ashley Evan Smith. She submitted Jessica Andrade as well. So it will be interesting to see if this fight goes to the ground. I think Holly's going to do enough, though, to avoid that. So I think it's going to be a stand-up fight, and it depends on whether or not Raquel is able to turn this into the brawl that she should have done earlier on in the first fight. Yeah, I am. Um, I think, I mean, I don't know if you're ready for the predictions. Um, not not just yet. Just, not just yet, but I was just going to say something that would sort of do my thing. Um, I'll give you, an, I think this will be a different fight. My one could, I, I think there's a, a chance that could happen as well. Not so much that Raquel Pennington has got better, but I think Holly Holm has got slightly worse. And I don't think it's her own fault why she's got worse. I just think that... She was better. Not that she's got worse. She was just really maybe in a prime five yeah. year ago. Because when they fought the first time, Holly Holm was 33 years old. She was in a physical prime. Raquel Pennington was 26. Still sort of trying rookie. to find herself. Yeah, I'd say a rookie. I'm trying to think how many fights Raquel had had in the UFC by that point. But now we're doing this five years later. Holly Holm is now 38 years old. She's... She no longer has that aura of the undefeated in yeah. the way that she did first time round. So, yeah. And she, she still keeps herself in fantastic shape. Yeah. I mean, she's one of those natural athletes. But the Nunes fight was the first time I ever felt that Holly looked like an old fighter, in yeah. inverted commas. Just her footwork wasn't the same. Her striking yeah. didn't seem to have any sort of pop on it. And even though I've never been the biggest, I've had questions over her in-ring intelligence. She completely got lost, and that's pretty much how she ended up getting knocked out. But she's not fighting Nunes this time. She's not fighting Nunes this time. But I know what you're saying. Um, I don't think, I don't think by any means she's a bad fighter at all. I think she's a good fighter. I think what I mean by that is I don't think it's. I don't. I'm not actually saying anything against Holly. I think Penton. I think it's just she's a bit of a different fighter now. And like you say, she's probably she's coming to her own. You know what I mean? It'd have been interesting. This fight would have been more interesting. I know you can't do this. Penton now versus Holly Holm five years ago. I think Rocky would have won that fight. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a tricky one for me. What I will say about Raquel Pennington as well is we mentioned her toughness. Yeah. And we've seen that in a, in a recent fight. I mean, she fought Nunes, and that was a one sided fight. But she went four and a half rounds on one leg. Yeah. And she took so many shots. She actually even got a takedown. People yeah. forget that. Second yeah. round, she actually took down Nunes. Um, so she know we know she can take a shot. And a lot of those fears that a lot of people may have had, did that fight take too much out of her? I think she alleviated those when she fought Irene Aldana. And that's a win which has aged very well when you see what Aldana's she, been doing recently. Yeah, yeah. She She's on the up. She's, she's a gritty fighter. Yeah. And she needs to make this gritty if she wants to win. Yeah. You seem to be hinting at this. You're going Pennington. I am. But I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna go the same result as last time, but different outcome as in split decision. I. But Pennington. That's a that's a good call. I think it's a really big call. I still think Holly has enough to get the job done, but I do think that Holly's days as a top level fighter are getting numbered. Yeah. And I don't think it's by any fault it's, of her own. No, it's just I think they, time. they're just coming. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. It's like everyone else we've seen from Anderson to other people we could start rhyming off. I think, yeah. I mean, would this a loss for Holly? Would that would that retire her? It should do. 
I think I think person. I mean, if Holly was to lose that fight, we're looking at two wins in eight and a five and six record. Yeah. And that's not good rating. Even I somebody even actually pointed this out. Holly only has one top ten win on her record. Right. Of course, that was the biggest one. Yeah, yeah, biggest. I mean, that cut pulled her. Yeah. But again, that sort of it raises those questions. But I think people still don't know how good Holly Holm is because she's beating girls all around tenth and eleventh. And she's losing against the best of the best. Yeah. There is no middle ground. So that's no. what makes this fight interesting to me. Premiership the championship. Yeah, I mean, she's sort of... And now she's sort of fighting, dare I say, sort of like the wolves of that sort of yeah. area. Yeah. We're sort of getting into football here. So there's yeah. a lot of yeah. American fans who are just sort of switching off right now. Yeah. But yes, I do I do know. I am. Um, I'm going to... It's a hard one. I mean, this is a close fight. Don't think for a minute if Hollywood wins, I'll be shocked because I won't be. I um, but I'm, I'm, I'm gonna. If, like I say, once I've said, if I was a betting man and I had to put place a bet on it, I would go Penton split decision. I'm gonna say Holly Holm by decision, but Holly does need to bring something new to the table because if she gets predictable, Raquel's gonna start reading. That. Yeah, yeah. Right then, we'll main event out. time. Here we go. This is where all of our friends on YouTube will be joining us now for our main event. We are going up to the welterweight division. Now we'll be talking about that in a bit more detail. As Conor McGregor takes on Donald Cowboy Cerrone, bookmakers are going one way with this one. You can get McGregor at minus 310, Cowboy's coming in at plus 240. And for the third straight time, Tim, we have got a welterweight fight which is headlining a pay-per-view. Yeah. And arguably, I, I find this interesting as well that we've had three welterweight title fights in a row. Well, title fights, three welterweight fights in a row. And the one that got the least media interest was the title fight itself. Right. Because we had Masvidal versus yeah. Diaz. Yeah, you had the whole BMF stuff, but that was that was a fake belt. Up. Yeah, yeah. You got Connor versus Cowboy. Yeah. And it was Covington versus Usman, which turned into a great fight, yeah. by the way. I have that to, got the least views. That got the least views. I have to hold my hand up. I didn't think that was going to be a great fight. Both guys brought it to the table, so good job to both of you there. Um, and also, as well, the second time in a row, second time in three, we've had a non-title fight headline a pay-per-view. I, I'm, I, don't, I don't think it needs to be a title fight no it doesn't it doesn't need to be I mean like I said this fight this fight's big enough without having it to make a title or anything like that you know so um, yeah that's all I've got to say on that really it doesn't need to be, my opinion if, if my yeah main event for a, a main thing for pay per view and everything else on the main UFC card as long as it is good and it's gonna and it's intriguing doesn't necessarily have to be for a world championship belt why do you think this fight is being fought at welterweight because that's a lot of thing a lot of people raise their eyebrows at because we have two lightweights two natural lightweights who are fighting at welterweight and there's a lot of people thinking hey does Connor think that he's going to have an advantage at welterweight is he targeting a fight with Usman does he want Masvidal's BMF belt there's all these I think it's Masvidal more than anything he, I, think he, I think he's hitting that um, but truth be known, only probably Connor and his team will know that really why he's fighting at welterweight. I want to say maybe welterweight does suit him more, but I, I think he is a lightweight. Um, you know, um, so the cowboy fight maybe makes sense to him as the comeback fight. You know what I mean? So it's an interesting fight, as we all know. So he's had to go to welterweight rather than him coming to lightweight, which probably wouldn't, you know, I don't know. Um I, th I don't think it's a bad, you know what I mean? Well, wait, I'm, I'm on the fence why, why he's done it, but 
does anyone really care? I would, I think if Connor was chasing the lightweight belt, I think it would bother me if this fight was a welterweight. I'm with you. I think he wants to be an F belt. Yeah. Because I think Masvidal is a big money fight for yeah. him. I mean, I don't even, yeah. I mean, if, if he was to fight Masvidal, is that, does that belt go up for grabs? Because I was to, to believe it was just a one fight. I, I think it was a one fight do, but I think Masvidal will put it up for grabs if the opportunity's there. Fair enough. Apparently, Connor helped design that belt. I think I, <laughs> I read somewhere whether that was a load of baloney on it or not. It's a nice looking belt. Yeah, it's a good belt. I, to be honest with you, Carl, that fight would interest me. Would it, you? And would it the rest of the world? I think it would. Because so, I think Masvidal will win. So, uh, dear. So I think that's why he's fighting a welterweight. He needs to, if 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 Masvidal is going to be his second fight since coming back, if you like, or second fight this year, because probably he's having three fights this year. If that is the case, he's doing the right thing. Don't fight at lightweight, then go up to welterweight. Just keep them both at welterweight. Apparently, then it's Khabib at the end of the year. So, if, if, I mean, if he was to win all them three fights, mind, uh, he's... I'd even buy his whiskey. <laughs> Um, you've derailed my train of thought there. I've have to get myself back on track. Sorry, Carl. It's okay. It's okay. Um, what do you think of the decision to make Cowboy Connor's opponent? Because this was another one where a lot of people thought, "Oh, it should be Justin Gagey. He should be fighting Dustin Poirier again." What about Kevin Lee? Where does he fit into all this? All those sort of equations. Um. Well, do you know what people say all that? Then then you get people saying his last win in the UFC was in 2016 or whatever. You know what I mean? So. You can't really win with some people. Cowboys um, fought eleven times yeah, since Conor last won. Yeah, I think the fight makes sense. I like Cowboy. Um, I think the styles are great, and I think, I think the fight makes sense. I mean, Conor McGregor's got this thing now where everyone, obviously, you only want to see fight just see had now people with records twenty six and zero, and maybe sometimes people, people don't realize obviously, to think Cowboy's thirty six and thirteen record maybe I don't know is up to scratch, but. It is, and he is. I know he's coming off the losses and that, but I think it's a fight that Conor probably needed, and I think it's. I think it makes sense in every way, shape, or form. I was listening to what Jimmy Smith said on his YouTube channel, and he said something which I totally agree with. Conor's opponent needed to be three things: one, it needed to be somebody that Conor could realistically beat yep. to keep him relevant. Definitely. Two, it needed to be somebody who was high ranked, so he would still be in the title picture. Yep. And three, it needed to be a big enough name that could sell a pay-per-view. All three, I agree with. Cowboy's the only one who fits all three. Yeah, yeah. He's he's definitely... Let's be honest with you. I know I'm sounding thing because he's 20, 21 and 4, right? But he does... For Connor to, Connor to be Connor Connor, who we, we everyone knows, loves or hates, whatever, he really does need a win. This is a, a winnable fight against a very good, active opponent. And let's be honest with you, we're going to see... We're going to see um, people tuning in. We yes. know that. We that's that's just a fact. So I like I say, I think it's a great. I think it's a great fight. I think you know, and I think Conor is going for three fights this year. Fight, especially with fighting in January's first fight. Now, I, I like I say, I, I I just think it's a. If he is going to have the three, if he was to fight straight away and get the loss, then you then Conor probably wouldn't fight again this year. I think he needs this fight to win to put him in the picture for for the Masvidal. Um, and then whoever else he decides after that wherever it really goes what would you say are Connor's biggest strengths obviously Donald Cerrone has been coming out on social media all of his teams saying he's just a left hand 
he's more than that. He's of course, foot, he is. His footwork, his precision, his his precision, his timing, like um, his speed, everything. Connor Connor's got so much um, thing about his and all. Um, what's the who's with confidence? You know what I mean. Which I know you, but confidence only gets you so far. But with the talent he's got, he 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 he's you know he, he makes him so interesting to watch. I think Connor could potentially the way he's going on and the way what I'm saying is Connor might come back to being how his best. I don't think Connor's been his best for a long time. I think you know he he had family, he had he had um, he had issues outside with the law and bits and bobs. He obviously was promoting his own whiskey, and I think it got to the point where he was more interested in the media side than the actual fight. I th- I think twenty twenty he's going to come back. How we saw him like two thousand and fourteen, two thousand and fifteen, really, just basically lit, putting it all in the cage. You know what I mean? I think I think that might be. Yeah, uh, I could say Connor coming in like the best we've seen him. I've been seeing some of his training footage and he looks very good. Yeah, like very fast. I think he. Th- sorry, Carl, to interrupt you. Yeah, just why I'm thinking. I think he got that big before he didn't have anything to prove I think now he might think he has something to prove to people you know because a lot of people write him off now you know as soon as he got he got beat he sort of he went off the bandwagon didn't the people went off and went ah he's not that he's not that now I think he'll be he'll be itching to prove everyone that he is the best of what he says he is in terms of other strengths when it comes to Conor as well takedown defence has always been yeah. on point a lot of people are saying oh well Khabib took him down but Watch the third round of that fight. Khabib shot in for a few times and Connor did yeah. quite well to sprawl and yeah. he won that third round against Khabib. And this is Khabib we're talking about. Exactly. And even though Cowboy does have uh, some takedowns and I think he's very underrated as a grappler cowboy. I expect Connor to hold those off. Um, the big issue when it comes to Connor for me is A, clinch work because I think Nate who's one of the smaller welterweights on the roster was causing him problems in the clinch. And the big one, cardio. Yeah. Connor has always come out guns blazing. Yeah. Especially I think he when he put too much energy the day before. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I've always been led to believe that you know, save as much energy. I think he's like he's like a Duracell battery. He's, he's always on the go, isn't he? I think he needs to really save it for the fight. What I am happy to be seeing though is he was throwing a lot of spinning kicks and capoeira stuff, especially when he was a featherweight when he was cleaning out guys like Dennis Seaver, Diego Brandao, etc. I think he realised from the near fight, he can't afford to do those, especially a welterweight, yeah. and he's become more of a pure boxer. As he's got older, I mean, was the first Diaz fight 16, I'm talking to us? 2016, so, yeah. Four years later, I would tend to believe that Connor is so welterweight now better than he did four years ago. He's obviously had the experience of fighting welterweight. thicker. Yes. Like you see his shoulders massive. He's also potential last time was to drop straight back down to lightweight. I mean, is there any big sign that he's definitely going to go straight back to lightweight? There's no obvious Nothing, sign of it. No. And to be honest, he's been calling out Usman. Yeah. He's been like hinting to say, so "Hey, I'm he going to your belt." He, you know, he maybe didn't want to bulk up as much last time to drop to then drop it again. If he has no intentions at the at the, at the like at the present like current time of dropping, then he might bulk up even more this time. He might sort of be stronger in the clinch and everything else, soak the weight more. We are jumping ahead of ourselves by hinting at the idea of who Connor could potentially be fighting. He needs to get through Cowboy first, definitely, and that's going to be a harder ask than a lot of people think. Definitely. Talking about you've you've hit this on um, earlier on in the card. Who the UFC want to? Mm-hmm. Who the UFC would like to win? 
are we all in agreement that obviously they'll be wanting Connor to win? I think so as well. I think there's so many different options for what could happen if Connor was to win. I mean, you could do a third fight with Nate. You could do Masvidal, Poirier, Khabib. It's, Gage, it's never ending. Never ending. Tony Ferguson as yeah. well. I mean, I think Cowboy could. I mean, I could be wrong. I, I, like, I really don't know this at all. Um, Cowboy could retire after this fight, even with a win. So then the UFC are no further forward, if that makes sense. I think if I was if, if I was personally Cowboy, I would actually retire more off a win against Conor maybe than a loss. It, I mean, it would be the crowning jewel in his career resume. Of course, it would. What's the best way he's going to do with that though? What are Cowboy's biggest strengths for you? Um, well, we all know he's struggling, and like you say, he's, he, you say obviously his grappling's underrated, but. Is he gonna want to? Is he gonna want to take this to the floor? I think it's his best route to victory. But I think I think Connor's. Is trying it him to... though? That's is it him though? No, no. That that's the tricky thing. But I mean, I've seen I've, for me when Cowboy. I mean, we saw that against Mike Perry. Yeah. Some, like submitted Mike Perry with an armbar off his back. Yeah. So he is a very capable grappler. But like you mentioned before, and I think Connor's trying to coax him into taking him to the ground. Yeah. Like saying, oh, the cowards, like cowards take the fight to the ground, all that sort of yeah. stuff. So I think he's trying to coax him into doing that. Um, in terms of cowboys, well, I mean, he uses his kicks a lot better than modern day Connor does. Yeah. And especially if he clinches up with somebody, the tendency is like to throw an elbow or throw yeah, an uppercut yeah. when you're in the clinch. Cowboy will step away, throw a big head kick, and that's he's knocked people out yeah. doing that. So clinching, I think, is going to be a big strength for him. Um, the key is for me is he needs to survive that first round because yeah. we've got one of the fastest starters in this sport going up against one of the slowest yes they'll know that both of them um, I think they could lay it all on the line in the first round I do whether Cowboy like they say if he starts slow clinch some people might think it's easy just to clinch up but it's not when you have someone so flighty and, and, and well rounded as and on the feet as Connor clinching up with him just won't be easy work no Connor's going to be wanting to avoid the clinch at all yeah, costs yeah. Connor wants to keep this in distance yeah definitely I think um, even though he'll go towards him he'll not just walk towards him to get clinched he'll walk towards him with his punches his kicks knees and everything else I think you'll be, I'll be very surprised if Cowboy can clinch up with him in the first couple of minutes and, I, that's, and that's a couple of minutes of Connor maybe laying it out I'm nervous for Cowboy in this fight. Yeah. I don't... I mean, the, the, the romanticist in me thinks, like you said, it would be a great send-off if Cowboy was to like get this big career-defining win and say, hey, I'm not just a gatekeeper, I'd just be one of the biggest names in the sport. Yeah. I don't see that happening. I no. think the UFC have chosen to book this fight for one reason, and yeah. that is to keep Conor relevant. If Cowboy was to win this fight... And Connor was to con- pursue and continue a UFC career. Where I'm just talking out the box here because we seem to be just going one way traffic. Yeah. Where would that, regardless of what happened to Cowboy, whether he would try and go for titles or whether he would uh, retire, where would that leave Connor? If Connor wants to pursue his career, he's He'd gonna have to go rematch or. Well, I mean, the big fights will still carry some sort of weight. Yeah. I don't see. I mean, we can write off Khabib. It's straight away if he was to lose this fight. I could see maybe someone of that sort of. I think I think Kevin Lee possibly. Could he still get the Masvidal fight? Coming off a loss, or two losses if you like. 
In modern day UFC, yes. Yes, because of who he is. Exactly. The name. But the stock is going to take a big hit if he loses to Cowboy. Yes. And I don't see him ever reaching the sort of like 2.4 million buy range. It's sort of like, no. I could see him sort of being like when when Brock lost against Cain Velasquez and came back against Overeem. Yeah. There was still a little bit of buzz, but it was much less than what it was. Definitely. So basically, they're really, they do think they're crossing the fingers for Connor. The UFC are. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. What's your reaction going to be if, let's say it's the first round, Cowboy engages a clinch, steps away, and cleans out Connor with a head kick? What? How are you going to react to that? Jaw dropping. Jaw dropping. Um, I, I, I don't know. I would react to it, to be honest with you. I, I la- thing is with this, you know, sometimes we've gone in the past where I've sort of gone with me, me uh, heart over my head because I like the fighter. I actually really like both these guys. Yes. So, so to be honest with you, Cowboy winning, right, I would probably still like because I like him. Same as Connor. The only reason I think you could lean towards Connor is because we stated the obvious earlier. There's a lot more. But the list is never ending for next opponents for Conor McGregor that would break records and do whatever else. He's got more maybe to give. Um, but if Cowboy got that win, like I say, it's stuff legends are made of, really. You know what I mean? Everyone likes an underdog. They do. Everybody. Um, and like I say, McGregor's watched, but only. I'll go as far as saying McGregor's 50 50, as in 50% love him and 50% hate him. I would, I would say it's sort of more. Out 60 40. 60 40, okay, I'll go, I'll go with you there then. But seriously though, it, it's right. You know what I mean? A lot of 40% of the people that'll be tuning in to watch Connor, it'll be the hope, big fingers praying, uh, crossed that he loses. And when we speak of predictions, I actually posted up a poll on the INC YouTube page uh, asking people who they think is going to win this one. As it stands right now, people are favouring Connor 65% to 35. Yeah, yeah. So that's about that's two in every three people are thinking that Connor's going to win this yeah. one, which I think's I think that's a fair number. Yeah, I do, because you you know we, you, I think you'd be so unfair to, to completely out cowboy out. You really would be, and I'll tell you what I hope Cow, I hope Conor McGregor's not writing him off, because that can play a part in any fighters if he is if he's underestimated this at that level. No one should get an underestimated mind. So I don't think he will off. I think Connor's going to come out there, uh, all guns blazing and. And, and really better than we, we've ever even seen before. Moment of truth time, which way are you going? I, I'm going to have to go Connor. And uh, I'm going to either go... I might go the first couple of minutes in the second round. I, th- I think he might weather the storm the first round. And I think early part of the second round, Connor McGregor win. I'm going to say Connor. I think that there's just too many weaknesses to Cowboys game that Conor's going to be able to exploit. He he works the body very well, which has always been Cowboy's weakness. Cowboy has an issue with southpaws. Obviously, Conor's got one of the best yeah. left hands in the sport. I think Conor gets it done in the first round. It would be interesting if it gets out the first round. Definitely. And I the cardio like starts to play a part. I mean, like I say, I like Cowboy, and I really do. I think we need Conor to win for better for the for the cost from the uh, US it's going to make an interest in 2020 right it's going to make an interest in 2020 I would actually like though to see this fight where Cowboy troubles Connor as well and I would like to see it definitely go into the second round um, or even to be honest with you even further into the rounds but I, I do predict a Connor win and I predict the second round I think he'll just I think he could just survive Cerrone could just just say survive 
the first round. So that's where we stand. We would love to hear what you think as well. So please post your comments on who you think is going to win this one. And that's us done for our first episode of INC Radio. Uh, Tim, thank you very much for joining me. Yes, this is going to be a, it's going to be an interesting card. Especially De- definitely, honestly, I'm, I'm I'm quite excited for the card. Um, I really am. And like you say, I think unless you look into it like how we have today, I don't think I think you really can overlook this fight card and just concentrate on the main card uh, on the main event. When to be honest with you laid up that it's well worth a watch can I tell you what this UFC drought has really been taking its toll on me I even watched the Bellator card I feel dirty <laughs> you don't no I, I watched the uh, Fedor versus Rampage um, yes, show yes yes did you, did you watch that fight I've I seen it I've seen it I feel sad for the way the Rampage looked I, 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 before the like the look there was just did, did he even want to win I think he he saw the the money he would have got for it and sort of half-hearted it, unless he was tra- unless he was trying unless he saw what Andy Ruiz did to Joshua and yeah. thought, hey, if I just bulk it, up, it's then. a shame. It, it was a, it's a crying shame to see anyone like that. So we'll leave that. We do. That's a really nice cheery note to end this show here. Yes. Tim, thank you very much for yes, joining me. Yes, been a pleasure. And, and we hope that you join us for other episodes of INC Radio. We're certainly looking forward to this project. We hope to get another episode out next week. So until then, bye-bye for now.